0: This sermon is brought to you by Shadow State Chi Alpha. As you listen, we hope that you enjoy it and that it helps you in your walk. Please visit our website in the information below and drop us a message. We would love to hear from you. So, this week is Easter. Um, everything that goes along with Easter. But, I know that you guys who are going to attend church on Sunday for Easter are going to get your typical... Narrative of Jesus Christ dying on the cross, and so I was thinking about how I wanted to uh, share about this week, share about the importance of this week without making you guys hear the same sermon two weeks or two times in a row, basically and so I started to think about it, and I started thinking about the importance of Jesus Christ dying, and then I started thinking about the importance of Jesus Christ rising. 3 days later. And so I started thinking about how important is it? Not only that Jesus was crucified because I mean if Jesus is crucified obviously that's important. But the real importance came 3 days later when he rose again. Because if Jesus didn't rise again then it didn't matter that he was crucified. The importance lies on why he was risen again. And so we start looking at an if-then relationship. So thinking about if-then relationships, I started thinking about things within the world that didn't necessarily make sense in an if-then relationship. Some of those things that I could think of were why doctors call what they do practice. Doesn't make any sense to me. Why is it that Microsoft Windows, um, to stop it, you have to click on start Why is lemon juice made with artificial flavor, but dishwashing liquid is made with real lemons? Why is the man who invests all of your money called a broker? Why is the time of day with the slowest traffic called rush hour? Why isn't there mouse-flavored cat food? Why do they sterilize the needle for lethal injections? Why don't we ever read the headline, Psychic Wins the Lottery? Why is there Braille at a drive-in ATM? That one just, have you ever seen that? Man, that one, I seriously sat there and stared at it for a few minutes because I was dumbfounded. Why are they called apartments when they're literally houses stuck together? Why can't women put on mascara with their mouths closed? But last and certainly not least, why is the resurrection of Jesus Christ such a big deal? So we have an if-then relationship. It's important because if it happened, then there's a reaction. Such as when a doctor is going to medical school, he thinks, if I can pass all my classes, then I will become a doctor. So if then, relationship. Him being a doctor is directly dependent upon him succeeding at medical school. Columbus said, If the world is round, then I can get to the east by sailing west. Or the other way around. No, that's right. I don't do directions. Enrico Fermi said, If we can split the atom, then it's going to produce a whole lot of energy. The atom bomb. Peyton Manning once said, if this surgery goes right, I can then win another championship. So what is the big deal about if then? If Jesus really rose from the dead, then what? What is the next response? What is our response? If Jesus rose from the dead then does it affect our daily lives more than just literally coming to Chi Alpha on a Tuesday night? If Jesus really rose from the dead, does it affect what I'm going to do tomorrow? If definitively Jesus rose from the dead, then is it going to affect work? Is it going to affect my career choice? Is it going to affect where I go to college? Is it going to affect... What I eat, if Jesus really rose from the dead, then what next? We can find it in Scripture. Apostle Paul went on to stress how important it was that Jesus Christ really rose from the dead. So if you have your Bibles, turn in them to 1 Corinthians 15. If you don't have your Bible, I'm sorry, we will not have it on the screen this week. <laughs> Sorry guys, I just want to give Kayla a hard time. So we'll be in 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 8, and then 17 through 20. 1 Corinthians 15. I'll give you guys a minute since we don't have it on the screen. All right, 1 Corinthians 15. Starting verse one says, "Now, brothers, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel you were saved. If you hold firmly to the word I have preached to you, otherwise you have believed in vain. For what I received, I passed on to you as of the first importance: that Jesus Christ died for our sins, according to the Scriptures." that he was buried, and that he raised, was raised on the third day according to Scriptures, and that he appeared to Peter, and then to the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers at the same time. Let me read that, that again. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers at the same time, most of whom are still living today pretty definitive Jesus rose again, right? Though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all he appeared to me also as to one abnormally born. Skip down to verse 17. And as Christ has or, and if Christ has not been raised your faith is futile you are still in your sins then those also who have fallen asleep in christ are lost if only for those if only for this life we ha- have hope in christ we are to be pitied more than all men but christ has indeed been raised from the dead so i've put together a few if then statements because if, and we've definitively proven, well, we haven't definitively proven, but Scripture has definitively proven that Jesus did really rise on the third day. And I'm not going to cookie cutter, or I'm not going to candy coat my statements. I'm just going to lay it all out there. My first if-then statement is, if Jesus rose from the dead, then Christianity is true and every other religion is false. I'm sorry. We can't live in this New Age world where every religion is right and every religion points to God and every religion has its own merits and everything else. No, if Christianity is true and Jesus did rise, then every other religion is a false religion and they will burn in hell afterwards, after this life. If Jesus didn't rise on the third day, then we can definitively say Christianity is false. But as scriptures have pointed out, if we put our trust in the scriptures and we believe the 500 people that saw Jesus after he rose again, then every other religion is false. See, because not only that, but Jesus also said, many, many, many times before he died that he would rise again. He stated it ahead of time. He said, I will be rising again. Sometimes he did it a little more subtly. Sometimes he just blatantly said it. This was extremely important to Jesus. And Some of those scriptures are John 2.19. Jesus answered them and said, Destroy this temple and I will raise it again three days. in three days. It's a little more subtle, right? He also said in more plain words, Matthew 17, he said, When they came together in Galilee, he said to them, The Son of Man is going to be betrayed into the hands of men. They will kill him, and on the third day he will be raised to life. And the disciples were filled with grief. Matthew 20 says, We are going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be betrayed to the, thief, or to the chief priests and to the teachers of the law. They will condemn him to death and will turn him over to the Gentiles to be mocked and flogged and crucified. And on the third day, he will be raised to life. Matthew 26 says, Then Jesus told them, This very night you will fall, you will all fall away on account of me, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I have risen, I will go ahead of you to Galilee. It's extremely important that he rose again. Because if he claimed he would rise again and he didn't, then he wasn't God. Then he wasn't the Messiah. Then he didn't come to redeem our sins. I can claim that I'm the greatest basketball player ever, but if I stand toe-to-toe with Michael Jordan and I don't then beat him, my claims are false, right? So Jesus claimed he would rise again on the third day numerous, numerous times. And so it is extremely important that he, was risen, that he rose again. Because anybody can claim to be God. The burden is in proving it. Jesus Christ proved it by rising again on the third day. Because if he does come back from the dead, then absolutely everything that he said is going to be true. He proved it. He went through death he went through the, the trials of being uh, crucified on a cross. He proved his 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 words to be true. And so since He proved His words to be true, then you have to believe Him that He is the Son of God, that He is the Messiah, that when you have seen Him, you have seen God, that He is the way, the truth, and the life, and that nobody goes to God except through Him. Then if all of that is true, and anything that anybody else has ever said about God differs from what he has stated, then it is false. Because that is the truth, what Jesus has stated. So go back to the first century for a minute, okay? So we go back to the the time in which Jesus was around before he died. You have all these people that believe in him. All these people that are following him, all these people that are putting their entire lives on the line following him, these people who have given up their careers, who have given up their entire lives sometimes to follow Jesus. Jesus then dies. He's crucified brutally. Where does that put you at as a follower of Jesus Christ? Are you going to continue claiming that Jesus was who he said he was, even though he had been defeated? Would you continue going on claiming that Jesus was the Messiah even though he had been defeated? Would you be willing to risk your life for Jesus Christ as so many thousands did because Jesus Christ died on the cross and was defeated? Like, no. Nobody's going to put their life on the line for somebody whose uh, predicaments are. Uh, predict. I don't know when you predict something. Predict. Predictions, there we go. Predicament, prediction. Same thing. Uh, Are you going to follow someone whose predictions didn't come true? Someone who says, I'm going to rise again on the third day, and then they don't. Are you going to risk your life for that man? Or are you going to run away and be like, man, God, I am so sorry I was deceived? If you bought into what Jesus was saying... You would only continue following him if what he said happened. And because what he said happened, and because so many people followed him even after his death, we can say that he is the way, the truth, and the life, and that no one goes to the Father except through him. Because in one moment, in one instance, with Jesus raising from the dead, he exposes every other religion at that point in time for what it truly was. Every other religion that exists, in one moment, he proved as a matter of fact the other religions were false. I know that sometimes we don't want to tip on or step on other people's toes and we don't want to make claims like that, but in this room in Caiapha, in We believe 100% that Jesus Christ did rise again, and because he rose again, we believe what he said to be 100% true, and if we believe him and what he said to be 100% true, then we know that the only way to get to heaven is through Jesus Christ, and that is what we believe in Chi Alpha. So, we get to the second if-then statement. The second if-then statement is, if Jesus rose from the dead, then life does not end at the grave. Does that make sense? I'm going to read it again. If Jesus rose from the dead, then life does not end at the grave. Because if Jesus rose again, we know that we are eternal beings. We are not beings that life ends when we die here in this plane of existence. We know that we are eternal because of what Jesus has told us. We are then eternal mortal beings inside of or immortal beings inside of a mortal body we then have to think about the future we have to think about the immortal part of our lives and our existence but yet somehow in this life we begin we begin to get so focused on the here and now the what's going to happen next the the tiny little piece of our existence, we focus so much on our comfort and what the world says we need to have that a lot of times we then begin to ignore the rest of eternity because we want to live comfortably now. Because Jesus' resurrection begins to answer the questions of where did we come from? Where are we going? Does life have meaning? Yes, it has very important meaning. I don't know if any of you guys have had anybody really close to you die. But when I think about that, my mom passed away just this last November or December. When I think about death, it becomes very real that this life is going to end. But when I'm told by Jesus that we have an immortal future, that this life isn't all there is to it, I began to remember that God never really meant it to be that way. God never really meant for us to die. It was our sin that causes our death. God never meant for us to die. He created us to be immortal beings to enjoy Him forever. Now think about it this way. Think of the longest standing nation you can think of. Think of the longest-standing philosophy that you can think of. Think of the longest-standing building you can think of. I can't think of any long-standing buildings. Well, let's go with, like, the Eiffel Tower. That's an old building. That's been around for a few hundred years at least, right? Some art. So think of, like, the Mona Lisa. It's been around for a long time, right? Some of these trees that have been around for a long time. Some of these redwoods they're saying are 4,000 years old. Those have been around for a long time, Right? All of those things are mortal beings, mortal existence. doesn't matter how long they live on this earth, their death still ends. They do not continue going and continue living after this world ends. Even the longest standing tree that you can think of that's been here for 4,000 years are these animals they say that have lived to be 500 years old, these whales they say are extremely old doesn't matter how many more thousands of years they live on this life and this plane they still will cease and compared to your existence they will be but teeny little blips on the timeline and yet we still focus on that little blip so much more than we think about eternity we think of a tree and trying to preserve the tree's life and art and trying to preserve art's uh, existence. We, we pay thousands and sometimes millions of dollars to restore paintings. But in the meantime, we step on, we lie about, we, we snub, we hurt thousands of beings who have an immortal existence. We care more about a painting than we do someone's life we care more about a grade than someone's eternal existence we care more about a building than somebody spending their eternity in heaven or hell because all of these people around you look around every single one of these people around you is an immortal built, or an immortal person and is millions thousands Thousands of millions, billions, trillions, the biggest number you can think of, times more important than the most expensive piece of artwork on this this earth. Every single one of you guys have an eternal existence. But the problem with that is, if what Jesus said is true, and Jesus coming back to life and conquering the grave is true, then that means all of our decisions made in this teeny tiny little blip will affect miles and miles of eternal timeline. We get one chance to make it right. We don't have next year. We don't have the year after that. We don't have our 30s. We don't have our 40s. You have today. You're guaranteed right at this moment because right now you're breathing, and the next moment you might not be. We have a tiny, teeny little timeline to get things right. And that doesn't say, I'm not saying that you have to fix everything, but what I'm getting at is you have a teeny, tiny little timeline In order to get God's existence and Jesus Christ's existence right in your life. And we're going to continue with that on, or continue on with that in a minute. But that brings me to my third if then statement. If Jesus rose from the dead, then we as a human race must have been in very bad shape. I'm going to read that again. If Jesus rose from the dead, then we as a human race must have been in a very bad shape. So in other other words, if what we had done was so serious that God would send down his son to die and be tortured on a cross in order to redeem us, then what we must have done was extremely serious and the state of the world was in a serious condition if Jesus Christ was then put to death for the world. When you think of people who've been put to death, people who've been on death row, people who've been charged with life sentences, you immediately begin thinking of how heinous the crimes they probably committed were. Somebody doesn't get put to death for uh, jaywalking, you know? You start thinking of all the seriousness that goes along with a life sentence of being put to death or uh lethal injection. And so that just obviously makes it painfully clear that if God were to send down his only son to be put to death for the world, then the world was in really, really rough shape. And if you don't believe me, it's still that way. I mean, it just keeps getting worse and worse. Open up Facebook for five minutes. You'll see stories about suicide bombers. You'll read about people even around here stealing cars and robbing people's houses. You'll read about airlines dragging people out of their seats because they sold too many seats. You'll see Syria, a country, a leader, dropping nerve gas on his own people. Open up Facebook for five minutes, and you'll begin... To realize how horrible our world really is. And I'm not leaving myself out of this. I want you guys to to know 100%, I do not leave myself out of this. If you guys were here a few weeks ago, you heard my testimony. I was just as dire as the world. I, when I look at myself, realize how much I need a Savior. When I look at the world, I realize how much the world desperately needs a Savior. So, the first if-then was, if Jesus rose from the dead, then Christianity is true and every other religion is false. The second one is, um, if Jesus rose from the dead, then life doesn't end at the grave. And then, if Jesus rose from the dead then we as a human race must have been in a very bad shape. The last if-then statement is, if Jesus rose from the dead, then God loves you, whether you like it or not. I can attest to this, that there was a point in my life before I was married to Courtney and, and before I met Jesus Christ that, One of the main things that I wanted out of life was a girlfriend. A lot of you guys probably are like that, people who don't have a a significant other. You long to have a girlfriend or boyfriend. You just thought, man, I just feel so alone. If I had a girlfriend, if I had a boyfriend, then I wouldn't feel so alone. I feel like stuff in life finally mattered. You begin to long for a relationship. You begin to long for a marriage because you just feel like, man, if I just have that significant other, it will fix everything in my life. And then, as I found out the hard way, I found a girl who, was, who I was in relationship with before I was a Christian. And immediately, I began putting those expectations of my happiness upon her shoulders. And wouldn't you know, really quickly, that burden begins to collapse on her, uh, on her shoulders. The weight of my expectations begins to cripple her, and vice versa, because she's done the same for me you get extremely disappointed because you're not as happy as you thought you would be in that relationship. All of those burdens that you've placed on their shoulder begins to uh, screw up and jack up the relationship, and eventually you find yourself fighting about the dumbest things in the world. You're fighting about anything and everything. Before you know it, you come to a, a line in the road and where, you either need to break up or literally everything about your relationship needs to change because it just isn't working. See, the mistake is we often look for a perfect love from an imperfect being. We look for a perfect relationship with someone who just simply cannot provide us a pure love because ultimately they're looking for the same thing out of you and when two selfish people live together or date each other or spend a lot of time around each other two selfish people begin to tear the other person down because they're always wanting and wanting and wanting and the other person's always wanting and wanting and wanting looking for that perfect love to complete that hole in their heart and the problem is they just don't fit and it will always break down there's a divorce rates like 60 percent or something like that and so often i hear people say well in the church it's the exact same but the problem with that is that it's not true within the church they've done extensive research and they've proven that not whether or not they claim christianity but whether their life shows it so they go to church they go to bible studies they pray daily, they read their Bible daily, and people whose life actually reflects a relationship with Christ, the divorce rate is less than 10%. I just wanted to get that out there. Because if you hear that statistic that the divorce rate is the same within the church as it is outside, just simply isn't true once you put on a barrier as to not just claiming Christianity, but actually living like Christ. But anyway, so I digress. A love like that can really ultimately only come from one person, that is Jesus Christ, that is God himself, because he is the only one who died for us. He is the only one who even really knows what perfect love looks like. And whether you like it or not, Jesus Christ loves you with that perfect love. And you can continue trying to fill that hole in your heart for that perfect love with somebody else's love. You can continue trying to fill it with money, with a career, with a job, with sports, with anything else that the world tries to tell you will make you feel complete. The only way to feel complete is to embrace the love of Jesus Christ. Because He's the only one that can perfectly love us in the beginning anyway. Ultimately, Jesus Christ sacrificed His entire life because he loves us. I know that in this room, almost every single one of you guys in here are giving me this look of, why are we going over this again? Teach me something new about God. Teach me some scripture that I don't know. I want a an aha moment. I want some scripture that I didn't know. I want some insight that I didn't know before I came up or before I came in this room. But I'm sorry, I felt like I really needed to go over all of this stuff again in this room. Because like I said, in, on Sunday, you guys are going to be hearing the stories of, of Jesus dying on the cross. You're going to hear some cool statistics or some cool stories about the, the you know, the, Him being the Lamb, and you're going to see some parallels between the Old Testament and the New Testament. And if you have a preacher that's going to go a little bit deeper, you're probably going to learn something new. But in tonight, I feel like, in this world, and and even within Chi Alpha, we've become so obsessed with our own lives and all the things that we want out of our own life that it's began to infect everything else. And I feel like um, that mindset begins to, to infect even the ministries that you're involved in, that we're involved in. And so instead of Chi Alpha being a tool in which you can use to serve Christ. We then are instead using Chi Alpha as a tool for our own fulfillment so that we can make a little check on the checklist of my religious duties for the week. Because we attended church, we attended Chi Alpha, we attended the weekly ministry, I feel better about my life, Check. Now I can go on and live my life and worry about school, worry about other things that are more important. See, I had a video that I was going to share, but um, I'm going to try to act it out. So if I forget something, don't hate me. But basically, this is what happens. So imagine this is a, a balance beam, okay? It's not. It's a chair. So, so many of us Christians, we go through life just kind of clinging to this balance beam, okay? So, we're hanging on to this balance beam with, dear, with all of our life, with all of our might. We're afraid of falling off. We're just holding on to the balance beam. We're just tightening it. We're clenching it. We're getting through life, and basically, we're just wanting our entire life to be comfortable, comfortable to be safe. We don't want to take any risks. We don't want to make any movements that's going to cause harm to us. We just, we want to be happy and we want to be wealthy and we just don't want to to have to do anything out of our comfort zone. We just want to just, just be here. Like even to the point where like, when we think about death, we think about, I mean, almost every single one of us in here, when we ask what kind of death we want, we would then answer with, I just would like to die in my sleep someday when I'm an old person. I just want to go real peacefully, I don't want any pain, I don't want any suffering, I just want to be alive and fine and I want to fall asleep and then I want to die. And I don't want to, to remember any of it, I don't want to feel any of it, that's how I want to die. Is that pretty true for the vast majority of us in here? Okay. So we're going through life, that's, that's what we want, that's what we desire. And then we want to get to heaven and we want to, want to hop off the balance beam and just, ta-da, we made it, we're good right? So how would they judge that if you're watching the Olympics and somebody is on the balance beam and they just cling to it? They look around and they look at the judges and then they're like, ta-da. I mean, it'd be memorable, right? But not for the right reasons. But how many of us are living our life that exact same way? Like we're not taking any risks. We're not bending over backwards for God. We're not risking falling off and dying a a martyr's death. We're not taking these big risks. We're just kind of getting through life comfortably because in the end we want to die peacefully in our sleep and we don't want to anything else to come between the goals we've set for our life and our future. We don't want anything to come between that. As Christians, we don't get to live life that way. We don't get to cling to the balance beam. We are called to live a so, so much different life. We're to live our life with risk. We're to live our entire lives outside of our comfort zones. I mean, if you guys would have known me when I first started into to ministry, uh, even before that, you would know that I absolutely hate speaking in front of people. I hate it with a passion. And now I get to do it every single week of my life. And still to this day, when I stand up, it's gotten easier over the years, but still to this day, I am incredibly nervous to stand in front of even a small group and preach a sermon, let alone the big groups I've been asked to speak in front of. I mean, I was asked to speak in in front of an entire school assembly of like 500 people last uh, last school year. And that sucked. I hated every second of it. But at the same time, I loved it because it was something that God asked me to do and I did it. And then I realized when I was doing it, that it really wasn't as hard as I made it all out to be in the first place. When I share the gospel with somebody, man, I'm nervous because I don't know if they're going to be receptive. I don't know if they're going to reject it. I don't know if they're going to call me stupid. I don't know if they're going to throw a fist at my face. Be pretty brave, but I don't know what they're going to do. But then after the fact, man, it was just right. It was was what God was asking me to do. I just felt so much more peace after the fact. And so tonight, I want to stress of all nights that Chi Alpha is not a place where you can come in here and then leave here and live your life comfortably. I do not want that of a single solitary one of you guys. If that's what you want for your life, I would love to have more conversations with you because that is just not okay. Kai Alpha, I want you guys, and I preached it last week, I want you guys to get uncomfortable. I want you guys to take risks. I want you to be that annoying person that shares the gospel with every single person they see. I want you to, to, to ask the Holy Spirit to, to point people out to you that you can be praying for and actually go up to them and pray it and not just pray on your own. I want you to ask God to be pointing people out that you can share the gospel with, and you then go up to them and share the gospel with them. I want you guys to be doing things because God asks you to do them and actually responding and doing them. I don't want a single person in here to live a comfortable life. I know that's a horrible thing in, in this world to say, but I don't want you guys to live a comfortable life. If you guys are living a comfortable life, then I've failed as a pastor. I want you guys to be uncomfortable I want you to be asking God daily to make you uncomfortable. And so the reason why I share this sermon, even though I know for a fact you guys have heard this message probably 500 times, probably four times within the last semester, even in this room, I share the same message about Jesus Christ and how important it is for our behavior and our actions on, in this world because I want you guys to realize the gravity of your decisions. I want you guys to realize how important it is to spend time with God, to read your Bible, to pray, to ask God for help, to ask God to grow you, to ask God for things in your life that maybe you need to get rid of, to be constantly challenging yourself to live for Christ even more and more. Because if Jesus rose from the dead, then we need to stop thinking about how Jesus fits into the picture of our lives. And we need to start asking Jesus how our lives can fit into his picture. We've got to just stop. We've got to stop straddling the beam. And we need to start taking risks and we need to live our life contrary to this world. If you are judged by your fruit, how much fruit have you bared while you were at college. Because I've shared it a thousand times in here. You will never get another opportunity like this to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. You will never get another opportunity. Will you have thousands of people with common interests as you living in the same place as you. Living in the same building. Oftentimes even living in the same room as you. That need to know about Jesus Christ. There will never come another time in the rest of your life in which as many people with the same interests of the same age group will be living within the same quarter of a mile block. It just won't happen. And so you need to think about what kind of fruit have you been producing? How has your walk with Christ grown in this opportunity? How many risks have you taken for Christ since you started in college? What has your walk looked like since you started here? Let's pray. Lord, this week above all weeks, we need to be thinking about you and your narrative and your story, your gospel, not our own. When we think of Easter and the events that transpired and what you put yourself through for us, Lord, I pray that we could begin to realize how much you truly love us. Lord, that we could fathom, even begin to fathom, how much you truly love us. And then, Lord, I pray that our response to that would then be to love you the way you love us and to love our neighbor the way you love us and to love ourselves the way that you love us. Lord, I pray for these students tonight that um, as they go home for Easter break or go to friends' houses for Easter break, that you would protect them as they travel, and Lord, that uh, throughout this week, you would just continue to share the importance of your gospel to them and how important it is for them to continually seek you. Lord, I pray that we would never take a single moment, a single day for granted. And Lord, that we would never go as far to to be confident of ourselves and our own abilities, that we completely ignore what you want to do in our lives, that we ignore what you want to be done. And Lord, that we're not so busy painting our own picture that we forget that we're a part of a bigger picture. Lord, we thank you, and it's in your name we pray. Amen. And I just want to stress before I dismiss you guys that now more than ever, it's become so clear that addictions and habitual sins and, and life changes don't always happen just overnight. You know, nobody wakes up one day, and I've shared this many times in here, nobody wakes up one day and just says, I'd like to become an alcoholic today. It is a process. It's a decision. It's a, it's a small step, one small step at a time. And it grows, and it builds upon itself, and it builds upon itself, and eventually you find yourself making decisions to support your habit or your sin rather than decisions to get closer to Christ. And so it is so important that we take every thought captive and we try to pray always without ceasing. And we try to focus on Christ every single day of our lives, every moment we can possibly do it. We need to be thinking about Jesus and what He has done and what He would like to do in our lives because the world is just out to eat you up. And as you neglect your walk over time, it can feel like you're doing these duties. You're going to Chi Alpha. You're, you're going to a small group. You're going to church on Sunday. You're, you're doing these religious duties. It can feel like you're maintaining your walk with Christ, but in reality, you're just slowly moving farther and farther away from Him because you're neglecting your own personal relationship with Him. Our relationship with Jesus Christ is, isn't meant to be shared with him in a large group. Our relationship with Jesus Christ is intimate. It's one-on-one. It's passionate. It's very close. If the only time I ever saw my wife was when we were in a large group, how would my our relationship really grow? It's the intimate times in which we're the only ones there and we're having conversations that are vulnerable. We're having those conversations we wouldn't have in front of everybody else that we grow closer and closer as a couple. So then how much more is our relationship with Jesus Christ need to mirror that? And so just don't forget that as you guys leave here. Um, We love you guys. We are always open to meeting if you want to talk more about it.